Live Creative Now, episode 138. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion fluoridite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie. Or you think of yourself as an artist, as a creative of any kind, or anything in between. No matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life, and it's how you change the world. Because that's how it works. Change your own life, and the world changes. That's how it works. So... Sunday. My three teammates and I had just walked out from the wings of the theater and my body, my body is buzzing with start of show excitement. We are improvisers. So we don't yet know what our show is going to be about. We don't know what characters we're going to play. We don't know what world we're going to inhabit. All we know is that we will start everything off at an office holiday party. And that's what we tell the audience. So what kind of business is this? I say, what kind of business is this that is having an office holiday party. A pet adoption agency, somebody cries out. Great. Thank you very much. And Beth asks, so what is the name of our pet adoption agency? And somebody yells out, furries for you. (laughs) Great. Thank you, says Beth. And then Mitch says, okay. And in the furries for you (laughs) office building, there is a room that nobody ever goes into. Nobody uses this room. Why? Why does nobody use this room? Because it has fleas, somebody cries out from the audience. Great, says Mitch. Thank you very much. And then Annalise says, great, thank you. We now present to you the fully improvised, and then we all say together, furries for you lights out so began my sunday night performance at bats improv which is an improv theater in san francisco now this was a cave match show cave matches happen oh every few months or so And they're an opportunity for people who've gone through the BATS training to perform. And cave matches, what what that really means is that my team and our 
name of our team was called, we were called the Thought Police, which really, (laughs) there's no reason for us to be called that other than we just were coming, trying to come up with a name for our team. Just happened to be named Thought Police. Uh, Our team competed with the other team on the bill, and they were called I'm Ready for My Close-Up. And we went first because they were the champions from the previous week. And then there was an intermission and then they performed and their format was they performed a 1980s soup opera, which was really fun. And the team that got the most audience votes became the reigning champion. And they get to perform next Sunday against a new challenger team. So there's this competitive apps aspect, right? And I won't lie to you. I've performed in a number of cave matches. And in the past, I have let the competition get to me. It's made me really, really nervous and really, really anxious. And that does not go well. <laughs> when I get nervous and the competition gets to me, I get really stuck in my head and I end up spending way more time in the wings <laughs> second guessing every idea I have than I do on stage. And that doesn't work. And here is a secret. In improv, really, the whole point of the competition, whether it's a cave match, or whether it's a a theater sports show, where there's two teams out on stage at the same time, and they're competing each other against each other on stage. The whole point of the competition is really not about the competition. The whole point of the competition is actually to make it more entertaining for the audience. It's to make it more entertaining for the audience. Now, it is true that there are real stakes involved in that the winning team gets another chance to perform. That is true. And (laughs) at cave matches, it's a truism that it's not actually the best team that wins. It's the team that does the best job of getting butts in seats. (laughs) In other words, getting audience members to come to the show and vote. And many, many times superior teams have lost simply because the other team brought more audience. I'm not saying that happened this time, but but that happens all the time. And in theater sports, where there's two teams competing on stage at the same time, and there's judges out in the audience awarding points for each scene, the judges awarding points are doing it for entertainment value as much as for anything else. So it's all about entertaining the audience. It took me a while to figure to really like get wrap my head around that because we're trained in our lives that winning and losing have much more significant stakes than entertainment value. <laughs> in any case, what I've learned as a performer since I've started doing improv is that the show gets better and I have a better time. And I'm a better person to perform with as a scene partner, the more I'm able to detach from the outcome. And I'm going to say that again, the show gets better, 
and I have a better time, the more I'm able to detach from the outcome. And Sunday's show was probably, might have been the most fun I've ever had in an improv show. And it was among the best shows that we as a group have ever done. And no surprise, I felt the most detached from the outcome that I've probably ever felt. I really did not care whether we won or lost. It simply was not about winning or losing, even though this was a cave match. So in other words, I was really in the creative sandbox space. I was totally in guidepost number one, there is no wrong. And guidepost number two, think process, not product. And in case you're wondering, we lost. Only three of the audience members came to see our team. And you know, that's how it goes. And I wasn't stressed about it. I really enjoyed watching the other team. They totally deserved to win, even though I thought we did a great job. And it was one of the best shows I think that I've ever been in with that particular group. Uh, Whatever. It, It was fine. Anyway, how is this relevant to you if you're not an improv performer? Not everybody is an improv performer, nor do you have to be. You do not have to get up on stage in front of an audience to get the benefit of the creative sandbox mindset that I'm talking about. And if you're not an improv performer, you're probably going, I'm so relieved because that sounds really scary. And when I first started doing improv or before I started doing improv, I thought it sounded really scary too. But just like anything else, the more you do it, the less scary it becomes, the more normal it becomes, the more you do something. Anyway, I started developing the seeds of my creative sandbox principles back in 2010. And I didn't start studying improv until 2013. And I probably didn't have my first improv show until 2014. But bringing the mindset of improvisation to whatever you're doing is a fantastic way to dissolve creative block. Because here's the thing. There's really no such thing as creative block. Boy, you probably didn't expect I was going to say that, huh? Writer's block, artist block, creative block is not really block. It's not really block. It's more accurately self-censorship. It feels like block because we censor our creativity before it's had a chance to even get out, right? Out of fear. And the reason that I love improvisation so much, whether it's on stage or with a pen and paper or with my singing voice or in whatever creative expression I'm using, the reason I love improvisation is because At its best, it lets us bypass the sensor completely. And in fact, that is the very goal of improvisation. The best improv 
And again, whether it's theatrical improv or you're using a pen and paper, the best improv is not about showing off how clever you are, but it's about letting your mind run completely wild. Letting go of any shackles, any censors, any critics, inner critics, any, you know, dismissing the gremlins, <laughs> guidepost number eight <laughs> of the greatest Andbox way. Instead of trying to impress, when you are improvising, you respond, you're focused on responding in the moment to what's going on right now, right now, right now, right now. And then completely letting go of the outcome. Because it's not about the outcome. That is pure play. You are following your curiosity and responding to what's going on right now, in the moment, right now, and letting go of the outcome. That is pure play. Now, of course, (laughs) it's simple, right? But it is not always easy. It is so much easier said than done, which is why it requires a lot of practice. But letting go of the outcome is key, totally key. So I want to, if I had great sound effects, I would play the uh, going back in time, going back in time um, sound effects. Back in June of 1994, oh my God, I can't believe that much time has passed. It's amazing. (laughs) Oh yeah, so long ago. Back in June of 1994, I was a newlywed, recently married to my first husband, my husband. (laughs) I did not make up that word. I wish I did. It's such a clever word. And now that the wedding was over and I had no more excuses because planning the wedding was such a great excuse, but I didn't have that excuse anymore. I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And suddenly I know, I thought, I know I'll be a writer. That's what I'll do. I'll be a writer. Because I always got good grades on my college essays and my grad school essays. So that'll be perfect. I can totally do this. But every time I sat down in front of that little tiny screen, that black and white screen on my Mac Macintosh computer, Mac Plus, was it? I think it was. I drew a total blank. (laughs) I would type six words. (laughs) And then I would think, oh, well, that's total crap. And I would immediately backspace and delete all of them. It was so excruciating. It was, it, it was like pulling teeth. It was just so painful. And meanwhile, I spent a lot of time reading a lot of books about writing and essays about writing, all of which were beautifully written by brilliant writers. And not surprisingly, it didn't take long for me to convince myself that, well, clearly I just sucked at writing. I just wasn't meant to be a writer. 
I mean, if I were meant to be a writer, then brilliant masterpieces would just effortlessly flow from my fingertips, right? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> well, many, many years later, I heard the story of when Bill Moyers interviewed acclaimed poet William Stafford. William Stafford, who among many other honors, was appointed consultant in poetry to the Library of Congress. It was back in 1970. At the time, that was what the position was called. But that position is now known as Poet Laureate. Highest honor of a poet in the United States, right? So Bill Moyers is interviewing William Stafford, and Stafford shares his early morning practice of getting up super early in the morning, like like 5 a.m. or something, and he writes a poem every day. And Moyers asks, what if what you write isn't any good? And Stafford replies, then I lower my standards. And it really is as simple as that. Now, of course, I didn't know this back in 1994, unfortunately. (laughs) I was still a dyed-in-the-wool, lifelong perfectionist. Now, of course, I'm a practicing, intentional imperfectionist. And I know that although I say it's as simple as lowering your standards, that's not an easy task. It takes practice to learn to lower your standards when you are gripping very tightly to high standards. It's very scary to let go of our high standards because the fear is that we'll end up only making crap and never making the good stuff that we desire. We want to make excellent stuff, right? We don't want to only make crap. But here's the thing. We need the crap because it's the crap that fertilizes the good stuff. The crap is fertilizer. We need the crap to fertilize the good stuff. If you never let yourself make any crap, how do you think you will ever get to the good stuff. You have to let yourself make crap. For God's sake, lower your standards. Think quantity, not quality. That is Creative Sandbox Way guidepost number three, by the way. Because as long as you're not being sloppy, as long as you're not just being a complete and utter you know, having complete and utter disregard for what you're doing. And if you were the kind of person who has a hard time letting go of your standards, I have a hard, I have a hard time imagining that you were going to have total disregard. If you take care of the quantity, the quality will take care of itself. I guarantee it. And if you are so stressed out about trying to impress people that you're not letting yourself make a darn thing? What good is that doing anyone? Come on. 
lower your standards. Let yourself create crap so that you are at least creating something. You can worry about creating amazing things later, but if you are so focused on the need to create amazingness that you're not creating anything, that's useless. That is worse than useless. So for me, improvisational creating or intuitive art or whatever you want to call it has been a total lifesaver and a total game changer. Because here's the thing, if I come up with an idea in my head first that I then try to reproduce, I will inevitably fall short. There is no way that what I can manifest in the real world can ever match up to the platonic ideal in my mind. Never. And that just sets my perfectionist gremlins off like crazy. And it is very hard for me to get into a play state, into that creative sandbox, exploratory, follow my curiosity mind space, starting from an idea in my head that I then try to reproduce. On the other hand, if I start from nothing and I'm in pure exploratory mode, pure improvisation, pure exploration, pure follow my curiosity, for me, that works great. That is why when I'm playing in the creative sandbox, the art that I make, the music that I make, the writing that I make, all start from improvisation. They all start from guidepost number five, which is just start anywhere. Just start anywhere. Because of course, the hardest part is starting, right? Because we have so much starting friction. And if you have fear of the blank page or whatever the equivalent is for your creative expression, just start is the antidote to that. Literally, make a scribble, write a word, pluck a string, do something. It doesn't matter what you do because you're improvising. And remember, you've lowered your standards, right? This gets to be crap. Think process, not product. Again, that's Creative Sandbox Way guidepost number two. So this week, I have a challenge for you. Practice detaching from the outcome. Focusing on the process, not the product. Just try it. Just give it a try and see how it affects your ability to get creating. And pay attention to that. Because remember my golden formula which is self-awareness plus self-compassion equals the key to everything good. Self-awareness plus self-compassion equals the key to everything good. Let me know how that goes. And if you... (laughs) 
If you want to check any of this out in the show notes, they are livecreativenow.com slash 138. And now it's time for something cool. It's a video this week. It's a music video. If you haven't seen this, you uh, maybe are, I don't know, in a cave, living in a cave or something, but it's the Saturday Night Live Welcome to Hell music video that has gone crazy viral this week. It is hysterically funny because it is sadly true. Uh, yeah, that is all I will say about it. I embedded it in the show notes, livecreativenow.com slash 138. Check it out and share it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really awesome. So that is it. That's it. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you're getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I'd be super appreciative if you would take a moment, hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. If you need step-by-step instructions, you can find them at livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. That's livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. Remember, you're not doing it just for me, although I'd be, again, I'd be super appreciative. This is actually how you can help other people find the show and make a difference in their lives. Because when people are searching for a podcast, podcasts with more reviews pop up higher in the search results. So your review will actually help other people find the show. So you'll be helping to change the world. Also, if you email me to let me know you left a review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life... That is how you can apply to be considered for the listener spotlight. Send me an email, let me know you left a review, and if I pick you, we'll have a really fun, relaxed conversation, and you'll get to be featured on the podcast. How cool is that? Here's a review that GramPam12345 left. Rev it up, five stars. Add this bright light to your creative crayon box. It will delight and inspire you. Thank you, Grandpam12345. <laughs> awesome. And with that, thanks again for joining me. And until next time, go get creating. Live creative now. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.